Here he is, the one and only, here in Hartford Village. Give him a clap and a hand. Amen. Amen. Well, it's a joy to be with you. God bless each of you. We have a good message for you this morning, and uh, uh, we'll be getting into that in just a little bit. I thought maybe I'd sing a little short song for you. It's a little worship song, a little prayer, uh, asking God to speak to us. And so as I sing it, uh, I'd love to just have you, you know, looking up to God and just saying, Lord, that's my prayer too. Let's just worship him. Go ahead and start number five. I have found so many, many times to hear your word you spoke just to me. I've a hunger deep inside me just to hear your voice speak to me again, my sweet Lord. Speak and I will cherish all your words in my heart. Speak and I'll obey with all my soul. I've a hunger deep inside me just to hear your voice speak to me again, my sweet Speak and I will cherish all your words in my heart. Speak and I'll obey with all my soul. I've a hunger deep inside me just to hear your voice speak to me again my sweet teaching materials. I've devoted my entire adult life to studying the Word of God, practicing it, and then teaching it. I uh, make it my goal, with God's help, to uh, take something profound and make it simple to understand and easy to apply and easy to remember. So most of our books out there are fully illustrated so that you can hear it, you know, read it, but also see it and, uh, and remember it that much better. Uh, a little, so if you get any two books, then you get a free audio CD of some sermon. Or if you buy four CDs, you get another free one. So we have two ways for you to get free stuff. <laughs> and uh, I hope you'll be blessed. I'm going to ask you just to stand if you can, and we're going to pray over the Word together. And uh, I want to be speaking on a, a, about prayer and uh, being what I call a door opener for God. All right, Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus. We want to hear you speak to us, and we want to hear, have your word have its great effect in our life to, to wash us, sanctify us, draw every one of us into your heart so that we live and abide in you constantly, and your word lives and abides in us. And then, Lord, we love the idea of uh, being co-laborers with Christ so that you flow through us, and wonderful big things are done through our little tiny lives 
And yet you can do great big things to us. And for all that, we vow to give you the glory. Now, Lord, surround us with angelic guard of warrior angels so nothing can hinder. And put your dear ministering angels beside each of us to help us receive and retain your word. And uh, may there be a ripple effect around the world as you do good things in us. May we become, as you bless us, may we become blessings and then bless the world through us, we pray. Let's all say his name together in Jesus' name. Oh, God bless you as you're seated today. Well, Jesus said in John 15, 7 and 8, he said, if you abide in me, which means remain, if you abide or remain in me, and my word abides or remains in you, you'll ask whatever you wish it will be given to you. Herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Now, I've read that verse many, many times and listened to it many, many times as I typically listen to the Bible several times through in a year. And that's been my habit for many years. And uh, one day I was reading that again just uh, maybe about a, a year, maybe a year and a half ago. And uh, there was a strong impression from God came into my heart. You qualify. And uh, I looked at the verse again. If you, remain, if you abide in me and my word abides or remains in you, you'll ask whatever you wish and it will be given to you. And I thought, well, I, I do abide in him and I remain in him. And his word, I've given my whole life to his word. I love his word. I believe it remains, abides in me. Hey. I'm going to get busy and ask whatever I wish. <laughs> now, you have to wish it before you can ask it, amen? And so if you never even think of it or imagine it, you'll never ask it. And so I got a tablet and I, a yellow, uh, you know, a legal pad, and I began to write down everything I could think of. I thought, if I can ask anything I wish, man, I'm going to give God my wish list. And so I just wrote down over 200, like 219, something like that, uh, prayer requests. And some of them were like for something like new shoes or something was like uh, for peace with North Korea. I remember I prayed that justice would come into the Justice Department of the United States. And I prayed that uh, uh, God would provide funding to reprint a couple of my books, uh, The Heart God Hears and uh, 21 Ways to Forgive. Uh, both needed reprinting and I wanted to print 5,000 each and then uh, had... Uh, you know, that God would get us out of debt in our ministry and just a whole bunch of stuff. Well, a couple of weeks later, I opened a generic-looking letter, and there was a check for $25,642.19. And uh, somebody had uh, been a partner with us and written us in her will, even though I'd never encouraged anybody to write our ministry in a, into a will. But this was from a trust fund, and uh, evidently she had died, and we were written in her will. And so I began to check off those things. And, uh, and so I want to encourage you to believe that that verse is true because the vast majority of Christians read it but don't believe it. And it's not that they willfully don't believe it. It just is that it seems too big of a promise. And we sort of disqualify ourselves. Now, Jesus said the Holy Spirit, when he comes, will convict the world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. So there's three kinds of conviction. Conviction is a pull into the heart of God. So if you're living in sin, the convicting power of God will pull you. Condemnation is from the devil. It's a push away from God to grind you in the gravel of shame. Okay? But conviction is a loving pull into the heart of God. So that's a conviction of sin. But a conviction of righteousness is when... Is what I got there when God said, you qualify. When he beamed into me, you qualify. See, that's, oh, <laughs> I'm, I am righteous <laughs> through God's grace. Amen? Now, how many of you know the devil doesn't want you to be convicted of righteousness? He wants to, you to keep thinking that you don't amount to anything and you don't have any status with God. And Come on. So when you read that verse, you just automatically kind of think, uh, well, Somebody's spiritual enough to apply to that, but it probably isn't me. That's kind of an unspoken, amen? Kind of an unspoken attitude, and then, and then we don't 
but see if we would look at it and get a conviction of righteousness and the Holy Spirit would beam into us. Look, you've been abiding in Christ and his word abides in you. Now get busy and ask whatever you wish. See, we'd have big long prayer lists instead of little bitty short ones. Amen? And then God is glorified when we get answers to prayer. And God wants us to bear much fruit. And when he says much, and he's the one that threw out the stars into the universe that uh, uh, they've never been able to find the end of. So when he says much to little people like us, it must surely be massive. Amen. And I love the word massive. I, I'm always praying that God will use me to bring massive glory to his name. And I base it on that verse. Here is my father glorified that you bear much fruit. So if if the king of glory says much, to, to us it would look massive. Amen? All right, so uh, I want to uh, be challenging you to become men and women of prayer. Amen? And uh, so, anyway, that's what we're speaking about. Now, when Jesus stood before the tomb of Lazarus, Lazarus was dead for four days. He, his body had begun to decay, and there was a terrible odor, and when Jesus said, take away the stone, Martha said, Lord, by this time there's a bad odor. He's been dead four days. And, and Jesus said, didn't I tell you that if you believed, you'd see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Now, Jesus was standing right in front of this blast furnace of, of, uh, of a situation that was defying him to get an answer to prayer, right? It was the hardest place to get an answer to prayer. And he just looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you heard me. I knew that you always hear me. See, utter confidence in the face of an impossible situation. And then he called Lazarus to come out, amen, and he was raised from the dead. Now, God wants the whole purpose of salvation, listen carefully, is not to save you from hell, but it's to save you unto himself. So I, be, I wanted to get saved so I wouldn't go to hell, but God wanted to save me so I would come into him in his presence, amen. So God is much more involved in salvation than just saving you from judgment, fires of hell, which are very real. But he wants to give you everything he is in his character, and if you will receive that, he'll give you everything he has. He'll make you a joint heir, and Jesus said, if you overcome, uh, you stay, remain in me, uh, I'll let you sit with me on my throne. And so he'll even share his throne said, as I overcame and sat with my father on his throne. There isn't anything God won't share with you when you receive Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. And remember, salvation, he did the hard part. You have to do the simple part of receiving him. To as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the full-grown sons of God. And that's what salvation is. It's, it's like a seed of God's very nature that's planted in you. And that wants to grow up into a, a just-like-Jesus person. And as long as we hang on to the purpose of salvation, the, the desire, I want to be like Jesus, then we never lose that salvation. We, we hang on to it forever, and uh, it ushers us into the presence of God, and we miss that fiery judgment where people are weeping and gnashing their teeth and in outer darkness and where the worm never dies and the fire is never quenched. All that's very real, but we miss that and end up being in, in such a glorious, eternal place of, of peace and, and love. Thank you, Jesus. Now, so God wants to have us be transformed into the image of Jesus so that when we pray, we have a similar confidence to that which Jesus prayed in. And only God could transform us. Amen? We can't make ourselves that way in psychology and self-help. It has to be a work of God. But God is big enough. Amen? And he's powerful enough to take people just like you and I and transform us into the image of Jesus and then help us become door openers for God. Amen. So where uh, mighty answers to prayer are happening. Now, when I was in Bible college, I went to a Bible college not to become a minister, but just to get closer to God because I had so many problems in those days. And I wanted to get faith and, you know, just draw close to God. And, uh, but I didn't have a lot of faith. It was a struggle. I grew up in a home where my, my home was saturated with unbelief and uh, had to kind of claw my way into, <laughs> into finding God and uh, salvation. So in Bible college, uh, my roommate had a migraine headache and he had that headache all day and that night he called us around to pray for him to 
be healed. I had an instant fear that somebody would ask me to pray and he wouldn't get healed and everybody would see how much unbelief I had. And so as they stood around him, I got on the outside and I sat down in a chair so that nobody could see me. And the most spiritual kid stood on his tiptoes and pointed over everybody and said, Wes, the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said he wants you to lead us in prayer. <laughs> and so I was panic-stricken. Now God brought a verse to me from the Bible that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And it starts out, this is the confidence we have that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if he hears us, we know we have what we asked of him. So I began my terrified prayer, oh, Lord, hear us. I thought, if he hears us, he'll do it. So I was about ready to tell him what to do or ask what to do. And, but I thought, I've got to make sure that he's listening. So I said it again, oh, Lord, hear us. I thought, I'll, I'll ask, and then I thought, now I've got to make absolutely sure he's listening because he said if he'd hear it, he would do it. So I said it the third time, oh, Lord, hear us. And Jesus touched my roommate on the head. He felt the physical touch of God. The headache vanished. He threw up his hands. He began to shout, I'm healed, I'm healed. Jesus touched me. And we all asked, did you touch him? Nobody had touched him. It really was a God thing. And I never got to pray my terrified prayer. <laughs> And that's been a kind of a lifetime thing with me. See, I want to be the heart God always hears. Jesus is the heart that God always hears. I thank you that you've heard me. I knew that you always hear me. And yet as we're conformed into the image of Jesus, we become, and so that's the title of this little book, The Heart God Hears. And we want to, uh, we want to be transformed into his image so that we get this tremendous confidence in prayer and receive from him anything we ask. Now let's go ahead and put those pictures up. Uh, we'll start with a picture. And uh, remember Jesus, uh, John the Apostle, is the one who uh, recorded John 15, 7 and 8. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you'll ask whatever you wish and it will be given to you. But then the Apostle John also, besides the Gospel of John, he wrote two little letters, three little letters, you know, and uh, 1 John, 2 John, 3 John, they're in the back of the Bible near the book of Revelations. And uh, in 1 John, he gives us those same two qualifications uh, to get answers to prayer. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, there's only two qualifications to receiving anything that you wish. And so uh, the first one is 1 John 3, uh, 21, and it should say 21 and 22. There's a typo in that. But... Uh, that says, uh, brothers, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God and receive from him anything we ask because we obey his commands and do what pleases him. Now, that's a confidence of abiding in him, see? Because if you abide in him, means that you have repented from sin and, and allowed God to bring you into his heart and you live to please him, you love to obey him, and so your heart doesn't condemn you when you go to pray. Now, if you're, if you're in some kind of sin and you go to pray, your heart will condemn you, and that's the Holy Spirit's signal and your conscience signaling you that the first prayer you need to pray is a prayer of repentance. Please forgive me. Please change me. And then you can ask for the new shoes or whatever else you're praying for. Does that make sense? Amen? Uh, but you see, my, a lot of people aren't praying to get right with God, but they're praying for things for promotions, for healing, and stuff like that. And so the Bible tells us, uh, you know, if any are sick among you, the Bible tells us to confess your sins one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed. Effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. So we want to get hindrance to prayer out of the way when we repent, when we ask God to forgive us. But now then, if you have repented and you live in that kind of an attitude, when you go to pray, you don't have to first repent. Your heart doesn't condemn you, and you have confidence before God. You say to yourself, you know, I don't hate anybody. I'm not mad at anybody. I'm not feeling sorry for myself. <laughs> Lord, hear us. Look up to heaven and say, Lord, hear us. Lord, hear us. What a great thing. Hallelujah. And we have confidence because of the kind of person we've allowed him to make us. Now, the second confidence is, uh, this is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And we know that if he hears us, 
We have what we asked of him. That's the verse God brought to me when I prayed my scared prayer. (laughs) But you see, that confidence is based on praying a prayer God wants to hear. The first kind of confidence is being the kind of person God wants to hear. Now, folks, we want to become the kind of person God wants to hear. We want to pray the kind of prayers he wants to hear. Amen? And then we pray with the confidence of Jesus Christ. He said, I thank you that you always hear me. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Let's worship him just for a minute. Lift your faces up to God. Just worship God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. All right, I want to uh, turn this on and see if it will advance. Now, in Revelation 3.20, Jesus said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and feast with that person and that person with me. Now, for many, many years, I have used that verse to lead people to Jesus Christ. And I want to tell you how to come to Christ. You don't come to Christ. You don't get to heaven by tying a ribbon around your neck and scrubbing yourself with your own self-righteousness. You come to Christ and say, Lord, I need a Savior. (laughs) One time I was coming out of a motel, and my wife said, "Uh, Wes, come over here to the swimming pool. There's a rat in the swimming pool. I came over, and there's a great big rat that had fallen in the motel swimming pool. He couldn't get out. He he was just barely keeping his head above water. He looked like he'd been in there all night, and he was exhausted. He was still trying to survive. And he was on the far end of the pool, and when he saw me, he rat-paddled over to me. <laughs> he just a, a, a wild rat. Now, he's swimming up to me like, save me, save me. And uh, I said to my wife, where's a stick so I can kill him? And she said, no, don't kill him, save him. I thought, save a rat? I thought, well, you know, after all, this is the only rat that's ever asked my help before. I've never had a rat ask for my help. So I thought, you know, I'm going to save this one rat. I might kill all the other rats, but this rat I'm going to save because he's appealing to me. So I got a a patio chair, and I dipped it underneath him, and I brought him up on that chair and just sat him there. And he just sat there teetering with his eyes closed. He was too exhausted to move. And so I just got in my car and drove away. Amen? The, The savior of the rat, see? I didn't have any more desire for further fellowship, see. Now, we're like the rat. We've fallen into the pool of sin. We can't get out, and we have to rat paddle over to Jesus. (laughs) Now, Jesus could whack us because he's all righteous, right? But instead, he lifts us out. But the difference is, when we're lifted out of the pool of sin, we're not a rescued rat. We're changed into the image of Jesus. He puts his seed in us, and so... Uh, all things are passed away, all things become new if any man's in Christ, if any person's in Christ. So, see, well, I, I didn't take the rat home with me. I didn't say, Mr. Rat, you can wear all my clothes. You can have access to all my clothing. I didn't say, I want you to eat at my table. I'm going to provide this wonderful feast for you every day. I didn't say, Mr. Rat, I've, I've taken a, 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 went to a lawyer and I made formal adoption papers to adopt you as my own son. I didn't say, Mr. Rat, I've, I've written you in my will, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make you the heir of my entire estate, see? But that's what Jesus does to you. When you just rat paddle over to Jesus and say, Lord, I need a Savior, oh, he says, honey, I'm so glad you came to me. Come to me, all you that are weary and heavy laden. I'll give you rest. And he puts his seed in you, the seed of his nature, and he lifts you out, and then he says, now come home. I want you, I want you to stick with me. Stick right with me. Come on. I'm, I prepared a place for you. I want you to live forever with me. Now, I, uh, yeah, I want you to clothe yourself with Christ and clothe yourself with gentleness and patience and love. That's my closet. That's my clothes closet. You can go in there and put on all those garments, you see. And then I want you to add to your faith... Uh, goodness and kindness and love and brotherly love and that's a banquet that I provide for you and uh, so I want you to just feast at my table and then I really have arranged to adopt you as my son and make you the heir of my entire state a joint heir with Jesus Christ that you'll share everything that I have now folks if you're here and you've never actually received Jesus Christ he stands at the door of your heart and 
He knocks. He won't force his way in. And what you have to do is say, Lord, I, I do need a Savior. I can't get there. I have fallen into the pool of sin. I can feel its effects. I'm trying to keep my head above water, but I'm, I'm, I need help. And I need you. And then you know what? If you'll just say, Lord, I believe in you, and I want you to come into me. He said, if you'll open that door, I'll come in. And then there's a feast in the Spirit. There's such a joy. Now, for years, I've used that verse to lead people to Jesus. But several years ago, the Lord showed me that it's also a prayer scripture as well as a salvation scripture. Because it doesn't say, I stand at the door of your heart. It just says, I stand at the door. That can be the door of your heart. But it can also be the door of situations. And Jesus is standing at the door of our situations, wanting to come in to our families, come into our churches, come into our universities, come into our governments, come into the situations of earth and bring heaven's will to pass. And he taught us to pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's not supposed to be just a little recitation. It means that uh, he wants to bring heaven's will to earth, but he gave dominion to men, to mankind, and since we have dominion, he doesn't uh, override us. He asks and knocks, and then we have to invite him to bring heaven's will to pass on the earth. Because we have dominion on the earth. He gave it to us. Yeah. See? And so if we don't invite him in, then he stands outside knocking. But if we invite him into our situation, he brings heaven's will to pass. Heaven's will gets done on earth then. And when heaven's will gets done, we feast with Jesus on his especially wonderful kind of meat. He said, my meat is to do the will of him who sent me and finish his work. Or my food is to do the will of him who sent me and finish his work. So when heaven's will gets done, there's a feast in the spirit. It feels so good to get these dynamic answers to prayer. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah to Jesus. Praise God. Thank you, dear Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Now, I'm going to read from Luke chapter 12. And if you have your Bible, uh, you might want to uh, mark this scripture. Uh, it is one of these scriptures that everybody thinks refers to the coming of Christ. And the Bible says that Christ will return in the clouds with the holy angels. The dead will be caught up to meet him in the air, and so we'll ever be with the Lord. Uh, but the Lord showed me that this uh, is also a prayer scripture, just like uh, Revelations 3.20. Now, Jesus said, be dressed, ready for service, and keep your lamps burning, like men waiting for their master to return from a wedding banquet, so that when he comes and knocks, they can immediately open the door for him. It will be good for those servants whose master finds them watching, even if he comes you know, I better put my glasses on. <laughs> trying to read it. It will be good for those servants whose master finds him watching when he comes. I tell you the truth. He'll dress himself to serve and will have them recline at the table and will come and wait on them. It'll be good for those servants whose master finds them ready, even if he comes in the second or third watch of the night. Now, the Lord... Open my eyes to this. It says, be dressed and ready for service. It doesn't say, be dressed and ready for evacuation. And when Jesus comes in the clouds, he's not going to knock. He's not going to need anybody's permission when he comes as Lord to rule and reign. Amen? And to uh, catch us up to meet him. And so, what does it mean? I believe that it's... Uh, Perhaps the very pri we, we need to be ready for the coming of the Lord at all times. I tell people, uh, don't fight over, you know, your interpretation of prophecy. Just be ready. Be ready to go uh, with Jesus, but be ready to die as a martyr if, if that would uh, uh, come to pass. We don't know how much persecution we might suffer before it's all over. And uh, all over the world, people are, are dying for their faith. And uh, so we need to be ready to go ready to stay and even die a martyr's death. Readiness is the issue. But here, uh, we want to be ready for service. Amen? We want to be ready for service. And uh, the idea there is that he's coming and wants to come into human situations, but again, he's knocking at the door, 
and then you, you ha he has to have door openers who are dressed and whose lamps are burning and who are perceptive of his knock and then who are, don't have to repent for two hours before they pray. <laughs> See, they got to be ready. So you have your sin confessed, you're dressed in his virtues, your lamp is burning with his heart motivation, and even if he uh, wants you to pray in the second or third watch of the night, whenever you perceive he wants to come into some situation to bring heaven's will to pass, uh, you're dressed and you're ready. Amen? You're motivated and you open the door. Hallelujah to Jesus. All right, now let's turn to Colossians chapter 3 and uh, verse 12, and it'll tell you how to be dressed for service. And so, in this uh, beautiful scripture, uh, Colossians 3.12, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved. Now, I heard Marilyn Hickey speak, and she said there's 60 places in the Bible where we're called beloved. She said, so when I go to bed, I say, good night, dear Lord. This is your beloved Marilyn saying good night. She said, when I wake up in the morning, I say, good morning, Lord. This is your beloved Marilyn. This is your beloved Marilyn. And... Uh, well, this is one of the 60 places where God calls us beloved. Now, I'm reading from the NIV, so it says dearly loved. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Now, that's Jesus' wardrobe. I told you about the that I didn't ask the rat to come wear my clothes. Amen. <laughs> but Jesus, when he saves us, gives us access to his heavenly wardrobe, and we don't manufacture these clothing. Uh, come on now. Amen? They're provided by the Spirit. And so when the Bible says, clothe yourself with these things, we go to, uh, we go to him, and we say, Holy Spirit, that's what I want. I, I want to be gentle. I want to be humble. I want to be compassionate uh, so that I use my power to help people, and uh, I want to be gentle and patient. And then the Holy Spirit clothes us and uh, then we're dressed and ready for service, you see. Now, I tell people, uh, if you're going to be a door opener for God, you can't be a mean old ornery Pentecostal boogerhead. <laughs> now, how many of you know what those are? Those are people who consider themselves real religious, but they're nasty and they're ornery. And they say bad things about other people and they're judging and they're divisive. And they're not dressed. They're not ready. They just think they're religious, and they think they're better than other people, and, uh, and, and uh, they're in deception, see? But a door opener has to be a sweet spirit. Now, you can't be sweet all the time without a whole lot of help from God, amen? So you have to want to be a door opener. You have to say, Lord, I want to be gentle. I want to be humble. I want to be compassionate. I want all those things. But I need a whole lot of help because today I feel kind of angry and I feel sorry for myself and I, I feel like uh, uh, administering your wrath to a few people. Amen. <laughs> and so I really need your help. Amen. Now that's what door openers do. It's not like we can be sweet all the time in our own ability, but we have to value that and we have to remember. Now I can't get that door open in prayer for Jesus if I'm all mad. Come on, if I'm all mad, if I'm all bitter, if I'm, if I'm selfish instead of compassionate, if I'm harsh instead of gentle, then, uh, then I'm not dressed. I'm not ready for service. But see, if you're going to be a door opener for God, then you say, uh-oh, uh-oh, I'm getting uh, bad, mad, bad, sad thoughts. The devil's thoughts are mad, bad, and sad. Everybody say it. Mad, bad, sad. When you detect those kind of thoughts, you say, help me, God. Give me one of your thoughts. Amen? All right, so that's how to be dressed. Now, what did Jesus mean when he said you've got to have your lamps burning? I haven't even uh, showed you the picture here, but that's our clothing. Amen? And, uh, and we're, that's Jesus' wardrobe. All right, all those beautiful virtues. Now, um, the motive... Well, somewhere in there is supposed to be a picture of a lamp, but it's not in there. So there's a picture of a lamp burning in a heart. And uh, when he said, uh, keep your lamps burning, that's the motivation to want to bring glory to God. 
And when I was in Bible college, my second year, I was reading John 17, where Jesus prayed this prayer. He said, Father, the time has come. Glorify your Son that your Son may glorify you. I have brought you glory on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. And now, Father, give me the glory that I had with you before the world began. Because Jesus is one with the Father. He's eternal. He's not a created being. He is God. Amen. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Three persons in each other so completely you can't separate them. They're inseparable. And so we worship one God because he said, I and the Father are one. Amen. We're one. Well, so he said, glorify your Son that your Son may glorify you. Now, when I I, I read that, I said, he's asking for the glory. Isn't that wrong? And the Holy Spirit spoke to me. Read it again. And when I read it again, he illumined the motive behind the prayer. And uh, Jesus said, I can't bring you any more glory down here because I've, I've completed the work you... I've brought you glory on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. And that's the best definition of success that there is anywhere. If anyone ever defines success, that's the best definition. To complete the work that God gave you to do and to do it all from the motive of bringing God glory. That's being a success. Well, what he was saying is, I can't bring you any more glory down here, so I'm asking for a higher heavenly platform so that, that from there I might bring you even more glory. So glorify your son is the prayer, but the motive that your son may glorify you. Now that went deep into my heart. And I realized that's what made Jesus tick. That's the heart motive of Jesus. And then the Holy Spirit began to compare my heart with the heart motive of Jesus. I was asked to sing a solo in a college choir concert. Before I went out to sing, the Holy Spirit asked me a question. Why do you want to sing tonight? I said, I want everybody to see I'm a good singer. I got a conviction of sin, amen? Not a conviction of righteousness. <laughs> I saw that uh, that was self-glorification, the motive from the devil. Amen? So I repented, and when I repented, I said, I want everybody to see you. I want to sing so people see you. And then the anointing bonded, and I sang under the anointing. Now, they liked that, so they started featuring me as a soloist. I, one night I was going to sing my solo and I had written a song. I wanted to sing a song I wrote instead of one out of the hymnal. So the Holy Spirit asked me a question. Why do you want to sing one you wrote instead of one out of the hymnal? I said, well, I want people to see that I'm talented, creative, and poetic as well as a good singer. And <laughs> There it was again, this evil old motive. Now, how many of you know all the Lord's disciples wanted to be greatest in the kingdom of heaven? They all had the devil's motivation trying to do God's work. And that's why religion can be so kooky. Some of you people, you might be kind of new to church, but you're going to say, you know what? I've seen a lot of kooky things in the churches I went to. I agree. I think there's more kookiness in religion than in any other area. And one of the reasons is a lot of people trying to do God's work with the devil's motive. But you see, the Lord wanted to purify me. He wanted my lamp to be burning with a holy motivation. And so I'd repent and say, no, Lord, this song has something that reveals a part of you that the other song doesn't say, and I want them to see you. And so uh, the anointing grew in my life, and pretty soon after a year, that's all I could think about was, I want to glorify God. Now, uh, my junior, junior year went by, my senior year went by, and it came time to graduate, and in one chapel service we were supposed to announce... Uh, where we were going after graduation, what we were going to do. And so one got up and said, I'm, I've been voted in pastor over here. One said, I've been chosen to be a youth leader. One said, I've been given a choir to direct. And I knew my time was coming. I was desperate. I said, what am I going to say, Lord? And so when I got up to speak, I said, I don't know where I'm going to go, and I don't know what I'm going to do. I only know the why. I know that wherever I go, whatever I do, I will do it all to bring glory to God. And that... They cleared out, and I went to that altar area alone and cried and wept. And uh, I didn't know what was going to happen to me after graduation. But, you know, the Holy Spirit led me beautifully. And I've been in the full-time ministry 46 years. He opened all kinds of doors. So I tell young people, and I'll tell you, whatever your age, if you're concerned about the will of God, you say, I'd like to do the will of God, but I don't know what it is. Well, if you were going to go hunting elk in the mountains of Montana, you'd want to hire a professional guide that knew where the elk were. Amen? And that guide would take you to the elk. And so in the same way, if you want to know the will of God, what you really need is a burning passion to bring glory to God. And that will become your usher. So in this book that I'm writing, 
we have this picture of the man who is blinded. He's walking by faith, uh, not by sight. But the, the when and the how and the what and the where are things that you see the angel is labeled the why. And that great why will direct you to all the other details God has ordained for your life. Let's just lift our faces and our hands and just worship God for a moment. And you just let the desire to be and say, I'd like my little life to bring glory to God. Wouldn't that be wonderful if somehow God would use me to bring glory to his name so that my life would count for something in eternity and wouldn't just uh, my works just wouldn't be burned up in, in judgment, but, but rather count for something with an eternal reward. And of course, God's going to help you then. Amen? God's going to help you. And this, this motive will guide you. Thank you, Jesus. So we all want to say, Lord, I want your motive in my heart. I don't want to do your work from the devil's motivation of self-glorification. I want to bring you glory. Amen? All right. Now, uh, for 20-some years, I prayed every day, all day long, kind of the beating of my heart, use me to bring you glory, use me to bring you glory, use me to bring you glory. That just uh, I literally became that prayer. But then after so many years, uh, my prayer changed. I started saying, I want to bring you massive glory. So that I don't want to just bring in some or little or some, but the massive is the best word I could come up with because he's so worthy. Amen? And so I began to pray, I want to bring you massive glory. Now, one night I was in a prayer meeting and the Holy Spirit communicated real powerfully to me and he said this, he said, the desire to bring me massive glory is actually a call to prayer because you can never bring me massive glory unless you keep your spirit sweet so you can open a door for me in prayer that I will come through and do the really great, big, and massive things you could never do. Now, see, when you think of yourself, you think, I could never do anything massive for God. I wish I could. I wish I could. But if you keep your spirit sweet... You can be a door opener for God and pray that he'll come into North Korea or that he'll come into Saudi Arabia, amen, or he'll come into the universities. Great, big, and massive things you could never do, but you can open the door. and He can do the great, massive things. And so the devil wants to say, don't you dare pray that God will use you to bring him massive glory. You're small. You're little. You're insignificant. Be humble. Well, listen, don't let the devil coach you how to be humble. Because <laughs> he doesn't want you to be humble. But when he says be humble, he, he means uh, be self-focused. Be thinking how little you are. Don't think how to glorify God. So I tell you, never, never let the devil be your coach. <laughs> you just keep right on desire and say, Lord, you fed a multitude with one little boy's lunch, not even a man's lunch, but 5,000 men plus all the women and children. You multiply the loaves and fishes... From one little boy's lunch, I'll be the little lunch. You do the big massive thing. Lift your hands up and shout a little bit. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. So don't count yourself out. I'm average. You're average. We're little people. I know. But he's worthy. And we can give ourselves to him. We can say, Lord, I'm just a little lunch. One time I was going through such a thing. I had gone through such a trial. And I was supposed to speak at a family camp in Canada. And I was wiped out. And I said, Lord, these people are expecting a miracle. They're expecting a big move of God. I said, I'm a dead fish. I said, but you fed a multitude with dead fish before. <laughs> Do it again. <laughs> God miraculously spoke to me. And at that point, I was, we were having terrible, terrible problems in our marriage. And God spoke to me and said, how long did it take Noah to save his family? I said, it took him about 100 years to build the ark. He spoke to me and said, I want a 100-year commitment out of you to save your family. I preached that the first night. Every man in that camp came to the altar and devoted themselves to a 100-year commitment to save their families. We ended up having a marvelous camp meeting, but it was a miracle of God feeding the multitude with a, a dead fish. Just worship him again, and let's think, well, God, uh, 
you could you could really use me. You you really could use me. You really could do something big through my life. I'll, I'll still be little, but I I want to open doors for you. I want to be given into your hand. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. All right. So then that motive has your lamp burning. Thank you, Jesus. Now. That night when he said uh, the desire to bring me massive glory is actually called a prayer. He said there's five ways to bring me glory. Basic glory is where you keep your spirit sweet. And you love people. And you do kind things to people. And you, you let your light so shine that men see your good works. And that's basic. So you let people in in traffic. You open doors for people. You greet children when they come to church. Just basic stuff. Added glory is when you win somebody to Jesus. So when Peter preached, 3,000 approximately were added to the church. But multiplied glory is when you train leaders because when the apostles released the deacons to do the work of the ministry, in those days the number of disciples was multiplied. Leadership is a way to bring, when you train a leader, encourage existing leaders, or become a leader, glory is multiplied to God. Then great glory is where you keep your spirit sweet. So in the secret place, you can go to your prayer room, open a door for God. He can come do something massive, and you won't even get the praise of men, uh, which is dangerous. But he said, pray in secret. Your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. And that's where you can desire, use me massively, Lord. And, uh, and uh, you can be used massively in the secret prayer room and never get the praises of men, never be tempted to take the glory Hallelujah. So you don't need to uh, get an invitation to speak at the great Christian event. If you want to bring glory, you can go pray. Amen? And uh, nobody has to know you. Nobody has to call you on the phone. It's just that you and God have a wonderful connection. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. All right, so uh, then uh, the, the, the last way is compound interest glory, and that's where you live a life of faithfulness. You just keep on doing what you can do for God. Uh, day after day, month after month, year after year, without a break, and it's like compounding interest. If you put $1,000 in the bank, left it there for uh, 60 years, $1,000 would turn into multiplied millions through the compounding effect of interest. And faithfulness is like compounding interest. I'm old enough now that I can go back to places and somebody will come up to me and tell me that 12 years ago you prayed for me and I was filled with the Holy Spirit. Or One guy, he was 40-some years old, he said, I used to ride your bus when I was a little kid. And now he's married and he has family and they're in church serving God, but he used to ride my bus when I was a bus captain in my early 20s. Well, I want to keep on being faithful just as long as I can because I want to bring God massive glory. That's why I take fish oil, vitamin pills. I'm reading a book about the aging brain, how I can keep my brain from uh, burning out. Amen. I, I want to be a, live as long as I can, minister as long as I can, bring God as much glory as I can, a little glory here, a little glory there, maybe a miracle here, maybe somebody healed here, somebody saved here. I just hope somehow it all adds up to massive glory. Amen. Let's worship God and just desire that. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Now, uh, see this picture here? Here's this lady saying, I want to bring you massive glory. Jesus is smiling, but the devil is mocking. And the devil says, her? Ha, never. What a laugh. And so when you pray, the, when you dare to pray the prayer, Lord, I'd like my life to bring you massive glory. I have no idea how I could do that. But I like the idea. Jesus will smile. He said, I know just how to do it. I know just how to use you to bring massive glory to my Father. I'm big enough. I'm powerful enough. I'm smart enough. Just give yourself over to me. Now, the devil's going to say, stupid, stupid, stupid. You're never going to amount to anything. You can't do anything. You never have been anything, blah, blah, blah. Say, shut up. You're not my coach. Well, we're near the end of the message here. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Now, folks, besides being dressed 
in the virtues of Jesus and having his heart motive, the burning lamp, we have to have the perceiving ear that hears his knock. We have to perceive what situations do you want to come into. I want to tell you a story. I was in Burley, Idaho quite a few years ago, and uh, a Hispanic lady came up to me and she said, I want you to cast a demon out of me, a demon of gluttony. She said, I'm overeating and I, I want you to cast this demon of gluttony out of me. And I felt a check in my spirit. And I asked her a question. I said, are, are you in some kind of deep uh, emotional turmoil? She said, well, my son died eight years ago and I've been overeating ever since he died. Now, the Holy Spirit gave me a perception that he that her problem was sorrow, not gluttony. And as I began to pray, I began to pray this prayer. Instead of casting something out, I began to pray something in. See, Jesus wanted to come in. And I said, Lord, uh, I ask you to put on her a crown of beauty for, for ashes. That's a scripture. And give her the oil of joy for the spirit of mourning. Put on her the garment of praise instead of the spirit of heaviness. And the fire of God began to flash in my right foot as if it was loaded with 50,000 volts of power or 100,000 volts. And, it was, and so I put my foot on her foot. And the power shot out of me into her and knocked her to the floor. And when she hit the floor, she burst out in holy laughter. The sorrow was just blown out of her. And she just laughed and laughed and laughed in the spirit. And uh, on the way back to the airport, I said to the pastor's wife, uh, I'm so glad God kept me from damaging that woman by trying to cast something out that wasn't even there. And she said, you don't know the rest of the story. When that woman got up, she showed me her shoe, and her shoe melted where you put your foot. It was melted the size of a quarter where the anointing came in and melted her foot. Now, the reason I, I tell you that story is, uh, is because, you see, Jesus wanted to come in. Sometimes we're trying to solve every problem by casting something out. But I was a door opener because I heard the knock and I perceived that Jesus wanted to come in and bring joy. And I had the right perception. Now, do I always have the right perception? Oh, no. I'm, I would ask you to pray for me that I could be better at hearing his knock. So this morning I spent a lot of time praying about that because... There's so many situations Jesus wants to come into. Now, folks, I believe I couldn't stand to have him share all the situations that he wants to come into. My little brain would explode. Come on. So one of the things he's laid on my heart is that he wants to come into churches and, and have a new emphasis on spiritual leadership. See, because the leadership books, almost none of them mention prayer. And they'll say... Leaders have influence, but spiritual leaders don't just influence people. They have influence with God. And leadership books will say, if no one's following you, you're not a leader. That sounds right, but that's not right. Because, you see, Jesus was a leader when everybody fled. And he saved people by his influence with the Father. He had influence not only with people, but with God. So he said, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you like wheat, but I've prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And he saved Peter by his prayers. And Moses, nobody was following Moses. They were all rebelling. They made a golden calf. But he interceded before God and said, Lord, don't destroy these people. If you destroy them, then blot my name out of your book. And because he had influence with God, he saved the people when they weren't following him. And Paul wrote to the Galatian church, he says, my little children of whom I'm in travail until Christ be formed in you. See, they were going into apostasy, going back to the law. He said, if you, if you get circumcised and you try to keep the law to earn your way to heaven, Christ will be of no use to you. You will have fallen away from grace. I'm praying for you. I'm travailing for you in birth pains again until Christ be formed in you. That's spiritual leadership. And God's knocking on the door of my heart saying, I want to come into Bible schools again. And I, I want to come into uh, discipleship training things. And I want to come into the conventions where denominations are training their pastors. And I want an emphasis on spiritual leadership. And, and so with all of my heart, I'm saying, God, I want to become the prayer that power would come back to the American church. Spiritual power. 
and spiritual leadership. Now, see, I can't bear every knock that he wants to knock. That's why he wants to use each of you. There will be a family that you'll pray about. There will be an individual that you'll pray for. There will be a, maybe a cause. Maybe you'll take on the abortion thing where states are uh, legalizing infanticide, the baby actually born and then allowed to kill the baby after it's born alive. Three states, I think, have gone that way. Well, Jesus is knocking. He wants to come in and right that situation. But somebody will have that be your issue where you'll really work on that door to get that door open. Some doors are so big they're like airplane hangers. They need a whole bunch of us pushing on that door to get that door open. It's a big situation. So you can't say, well, Brother Wes, he's dressed, he's ready, he's, he's a nice guy, he's got on Jesus' virtues, his lamp seems to be burning. I'll just let him, I'll let him open all the doors. I'll go be a mean old ornery Pentecostal boogerhead in the, in the meantime. No, I'd say, Brother Sister, I can only open a few doors for God. I couldn't stand to hear, he wants to come into so many situations, bring heaven's will to pass. He wants to use each of you. Look at me. He wants to use each of you. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Now, here is Jesus and the angels and the saying, what a person. Look at this person coming to the prayer room. <laughs> they're not mad at anybody. They're not critical. They're not bitter. They've got all their repentance out of the way. They're, they're wearing my clothing. They've got their lamps burning. And they're coming to the prayer room. Come on, angels. Get over here to the balcony of heaven. This is going to be great. If our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God and receive from Him anything we ask because we obey His commands and do what pleases Him. But now here's a person that, that he said, Angels, did you hear that? What a prayer! <laughs> That's when His Word abides in us because if His Word abides in you, if you abide in Him, you'll be the sweet spirit. If His Word abides in you, you'll ask things according to His will. You won't ask something that He doesn't like. You'll say, I know He's going to like this I know he wants to bring justice back into the Justice Department of the United States. What a prayer. What a person. What a prayer. A person who lives according to God and abides in him. And a person who prays prayers he wants to hear. You can be that person. Your life can bring God massive glory. You can... Keep your spirit sweet so you can open a door for God. He can come through and do the really great, big, and massive things you could never do. I believe God is calling you to prayer. I'd like you to reverently just close your eyes, but you don't have to bow your heads unless you want to. But I want to invite you to come to Christ. Now, let's open your eyes for a minute while I finish this. Uh, you can go to churches and they won't tell you the way to salvation. You'll just kind of be near. And Jesus said to one man, you're not far from the kingdom of God. So you can be close and not be in it. But I want to tell you that you can get saved, you can get born again today. Right here, right now. And here's what happens. See, when you just say, well, Lord, I, I'm, I'm going to paddle over like that rat went to Wes, I'm going to, I'm going to come to Jesus. I'm not... I'm going to humble myself. I'm going to say, I really need you. Now, Jesus said, if you'll, to as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the full-grown children of God. You've got to receive him, all right? He stands at the door and knocks at your heart. You've got to open the door. But then Jesus said, if anyone will accept me publicly, he said, if you'll conf confess me before men, I'll confess that you're mine to the Father and all the holy angels of heaven. And so I like to give people an opportunity to come forward and pray with me publicly. You say, won't that embarrass somebody? The devil will be the one that doesn't like it. Because you see, after you pray and accept Jesus, the devil's going to contest your Christianity. He's going to say, I don't believe you're a Christian. You were an ornery old rat last week. So I don't believe you're a Christian, but you can shut up, you lying devil. I accepted Jesus in front of people. I confessed him publicly, and he's already confessed to the host of heaven that 
I belong to him. Hallelujah. Now close your eyes if you would. And if you're here and you'd say, Brother Wes, I'm, I'm near. I tell people, look, don't, don't think you're just a good person. Somebody will be the nicest person that ever goes to hell. And they will have sinned less than anybody in hell. I was only 12 when God convicted me of my sin and showed me that if I died, I'd go to hell. I'd only told one or two lies. Mom was going to spank me, and I put a book in my pants. When she, when she spanked me, she said, does that hurt? And I lied. I said, yes, it hurts. I, I didn't sin very much. But if I'd have died, I might have been the nicest person in hell. Because the Holy Spirit showed me, unless you're born again, you'll never see or enter the kingdom of God, John 3, 3. So at 13 years of age, I accepted Jesus into my heart. I felt that tremendous rush of the Spirit come into me and uh, knew that if I died, I'd go to heaven. So I'd love to pray with you. If, if today would be your day where you'd say, you know what? I'm coming to Jesus. Let's close our eyes. If you're here and you'd like to pray with me, then I'll have you raise your hand so I know who you are. And then I'd just say, come on up dear friend, let's hold hands and I'll lead you in a prayer and you'll receive Jesus publicly. And then he'll turn to the host of heaven and confess your name. All right, with your eyes closed, would anybody here like to say, Brother Wes, I'd, I'd like to do that. Just wave your hand at me. Say, I'd like to ask Jesus to come into my heart today. All right. Thank you, Jesus. All right, then you can look up for a minute. And uh, if you change your mind and the pastor Lonnie is here and uh, I'm here, uh, we'd love to pray with you, you know, before you leave today, okay? Now, for the rest of you, I want to tell, I wanna, for everybody here then, I want to say, uh, say the words IRS. IRS stands for Internal Revenue Service, but we'll give it a new uh, definition. I will stand for identity. So would you put your hand over your heart and say, my identity, my identity. is to be a door opener for God. That's who I am. That's what I do. Now keep your hand on your heart. Say, R is for responsibility. With God's help, I'll stay sweet. Dressed in His virtues. With my heart burning. With the motivation to bring Him glory. I'll listen for His knock. And I'll open the door. I have a great responsibility. I accept it. Now say, S is for security. See, Jesus said, don't you realize I can call on my Father and he'll immediately put at my disposal 12 legions of angels. Legions was a company of a thousand soldiers or something. So, so we live in the great security that we can get answers to prayer. The only real security you have is your ability to get answers to prayer. And as door openers... Not only can you get answers to prayer for others, but you get all kinds of answers to prayer for yourself. So say security. Now let's stand to our feet. And I could call you forward uh, and try to you know, have you all come and accept that call. Uh, but I believe you're accepting it right where you are. So let's do this. As you're standing, if you're accepting the call to be a door opener for God, would you just lift your hands up to God, lift your faces up to God and Smile at God and let's love Him. Let's lift our voices and just praise Him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, He wants to come into Vermont, doesn't He? He wants to come into New England. I read, uh, I heard recently that 42% of the world, 42% of the world's population has no church to go to. One Christian for every 360,000 believers. 42% of the world is not evangelized. People in Vermont, even though it's very worldly, uh, there are churches they could go to. But in many nations of the world, there is no church. Jesus wants to come in. Now let's worship God again, see. Door openers. Door openers. Door openers for God. Door openers for God. Now, I'm going to present you to the Lord. The Bible says, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. So as you're worshiping God with your hands raised there, 
uh, I'm going to approach the throne of God and ask God to use you. So here we go. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus. We confess that we're all little people. We live brief lives, and we're like the little lunch. And although we'd love to do something massive for you, uh, we realize that you have to do something massive with us. (laughs) You're able, and so we dare to pray the prayer. We'd like our lives to be given over to you, and that you would bring glory to the Father, Lord Jesus, and uh, we want to be your door openers. We want to live and abide in you. Abide in you. Have your words abide in us. We want to be the kind of person you want to hear. We want to pray the kind of prayers you want to hear. And we want to stay dressed and ready at all times. Now I pray that today you will let all of us perceive your knock and we'll all have different uh, emphasis. You will bring one prayer request to one person and another Uh, issue to another person and so on and so forth until we it's as if you're knocking all in our lives Lord wanting to have us open the door for you to come into various situations which will be uniquely individualized and we ask you to give us open ears tender hearts open ears to perceive that we might uh, We might really do that. And wouldn't it be wonderful, Lord, if you used our little lives to bring massive glory to your name. And you said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you'll ask whatever you wish, and it'll be given to you. Herein is my Father glorified that you bear much or massive fruit. Since you said it, we ask. May it be so. Now let's all say his name together. Ready? In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Give him a hand. Come on. Woo.